You are listening to messages from Victory Outreach in the city of Whittier. We pray that you are inspired, challenged, and provoked to become all that God has called you to be. For daily insight, please log into victoryoutreachwhittier.org. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord another good welcome. You can feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you once again, Pastor Joe and also uh, Sister Doreen for the invitation. All of you for the invitation, the opportunity to be able to come and be able to share with you this morning. And I know that we're a little bit limited on time. So we're going to go right into what we came for. Amen. And that's the word of God. So I want you to take your Bibles this morning. Turn your Bibles to the gospel of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading from verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Say amen when you have it. I know this is a great church that is uh, really moving. There's such a tremendous presence of God in this place from yesterday, the worship, and just, you can tell this church is a praying church, right? It's a praying church because you can just sense the presence, every time you come into the sanctuary, you can feel God's presence that is here. And this is a base. It's a, it's a place where, where people gather from different parts, not only Whittier, but I'm sure other parts around, surrounding cities around. And, uh, and that's what we want. We want to be able to, to impact our city. We want to be able to have a, a lighthouse, a Holy Ghost hospital, a, a city of refuge where people can come from all over. Amen. And be able to experience Christ. One of the things that I try and keep as a conviction, I try and tell our leaders and, our, and most of the people that, that, you know, get things ready. I said, look, we want people that when they come to church, we don't want them just to come to another church service. Right? We want them to come into an experience. That's, they need to have an encounter. And, and I thank God that you can feel the presence of God in this place where people not just come into another service. They're coming into an encounter, an experience, amen? Keep it that way. Keep doing what you're doing, amen? But, uh, but also, I'm sure that you have life groups all over the city, and we have families, houses all over the city, amen? And I believe that, that God's presence shouldn't just be evident in the house, his house, but it should be evident in every house, every home, every life group, every cell group, every victory center, amen, and as they encounter God in different parts of the city and the surrounding cities, then we can bring them into the big house, and together we can worship the Lord, amen, and let hear, God, hear from God of what, what he wants us to do from there. So here's a perfect scripture, amen, perfect example, amen, of uh, building a house of miracles, Amen. Building a house of miracles. I want to read the scripture. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Does everybody have it? The word of God reads like this. It says this. And it came to pass on a certain day that he was teaching. And there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which had come out from, from every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. How many of you are getting ready to go into miracle month, right? The power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find 
what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch, with his bed, into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the Pharisees and the scribes began to reason, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, what reason in your hearts, what, what is easier to say, thy sins are forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk? But that they may know, that you may know, that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the man that was sick, I say unto you, arise and take up your couch, your bed, and go into the house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he was laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Verse 26. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, once again, we are sensitive to your presence and we ask that the precious ministry and the anointing of your Holy Spirit would have full freedom and liberty to work within me, through me, into the hearts of the people, the minds of the people. God, that you would move us to want to do your will and serve your purpose in our generation. Lord, we're careful to give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when you look at this passage, you're able to see that, that Jesus had walked into this house. It was an ordinary house, just like any other house at that day, maybe even one of our houses, just an ordinary, simple home. But the moment that Jesus walked into that house, that house became the house of miracles. It became a house where the presence and the power of God was there to change, to heal, and to set free lives. So the question that we want to pose here this morning, how can you and I, as members of the body of Christ, of the household of faith, be a part of building a house of miracles where the presence and the power of God is? This house, you can feel the presence of God, but what about our house? And what about the, the lighthouses, the little houses, and the, and the live groups, and the small groups, and the victory homes that we have throughout the city? Amen? This is a perfect time for you cell group leaders and live group leaders to take notes, amen, so that you can build, amen, a house of miracles in your community, in your neighborhood, amen, all over this city. Somebody give God a praise for that. Amen. So quickly, number one, how can we build this kind of house? Number one, first of all, it's a house that must be built upon the authority of the scriptures. The first thing that Jesus was doing when he went into that house, he was teaching the word of God. He was teaching, right? He was preaching the word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and for instruction for righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped, ready for the Lord's service. Now, that statement, inspiration of God, listen carefully. That statement, inspiration of God, means God breathed. God breathed. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it explains that a little bit more clear how, how that works. In other words, he says this. For prophecy never came by the will of man, 
But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, as God breathed upon them. David said this in 2 Samuel 23, 2. He said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. God told Jeremiah, I put my words in your mouth. So in other words, when Jeremiah spoke, it wasn't Jeremiah that was speaking. It was God speaking through Jeremiah. Amen. So therefore, when you read this scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, God breathed. To me then, this book right here, that book that you hold in your hand, amen, is the, the real author of this book is God Almighty. Somebody say amen. Therefore, Hebrews 4.12 says this, the word of God is powerful. The word of God is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen? So that book that you hold in your hand, that book that we read out of, is not just an ordinary book. Amen? But it's a book that is alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it cuts, it, it, it convicts, it pierces, it changes people's lives. And so therefore, if we're going to build God's house, amen, it must be built upon the authority of the scriptures. So if the Bible is God's word, the word of the creator of heaven and earth, the one that has no beginning or no end, then it must be absolute truth. And it must therefore have absolute authority because God is a source of all truth, amen. Therefore, the absolute truth and authority of the Bible over our lives must be based on this conviction that that book you hold in your hand is not just an ordinary book that contains the word of God. It is the word of the living God. And the church must be built upon that fact. That life group must be built upon that fact. That home must be built upon that fact, especially in this postmodernism world that we live in today. Where they believe there is no more absolutes. There is no more absolute truth. Such as the infallible, the authoritative, inerrant word of the living God. Somebody say amen. amen. And why is this important? It's important because the days we live in. It's important because these are the challenges that the church is facing today. These are the mindsets. These are the mentalities uh, that, that people are going to be stepping into our life groups, stepping into our homes, into our churches with this type of thinking, right? Because this is what's being taught in the schools today. This is what's being taught in universities and colleges and, and many of the teachers that teach our children, amen, this is the way they believe, Right? And if that is true, then it's important for us then as Christians and Christian parents and as the church that we make sure that we are teaching our children the very foundations of truth, the very foundations of faith, and give our children, amen, that, that solid biblical foundation and conviction, amen, of, of, of spiritual truth. Because if we don't teach them, the world is going to teach them. If we don't teach them, then those teachers are going to teach them. Amen? And they're going to confuse them. But if we give them those basic tools, those basic beliefs, those basic foundations of faith, when they go to school and their teacher tries to tell them something different, they have a conviction, they have a sword, they have a defense, amen, that they can combat the spirit of this age. Somebody give God praise. Because if we don't, what's going to happen is they're going to influence them. 
And one day, that little child that would grow up in church is going to come to a certain age of understanding. And if we didn't teach them well, if we didn't try and instill these convictions, they're going to look at us and say, one day, I don't believe what you believe. Amen. So this is why every home, every life group, every church must be built upon the authority of the scriptures. And the last time I checked, we still believe in victory outreach and hold to the fact that the Bible, the word of God, the scriptures still is and always will be absolute truth. So it's essential then in building the house of God. And, and most important, because it's the word of God that changes people's lives. It's not our testimonies. It's not how bad we used to be. It's not how much time we spent in prison. Amen. It's not all those old war stories. Amen. Listen, that just establishes uh, and opens them up. Amen. Establishes identification to open up so that you can give them the word of God. Because it's a word of God that changes and transforms people's lives. Number two. We're going to build this house. It must be built upon the spirit of God, the spirit of the living God. The Bible says the presence of the Lord was there to heal. Just like the presence of the Lord is here this morning. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, that means that no matter what situation you're facing, what mountain, what giant, what ailment, what sickness, what doctors said, what psychiatrists have said, amen, when you're in the presence of God, anything could happen. Where the power and the presence of God is here to heal, to save, to deliver, and to set free, amen? Now, anytime you set out to build anything for God, how many know you could expect opposition? You could expect persecution. You can expect some kind of adversity is going to come your way. Just like many people in the Bible. One particular there in Zechariah, amen, when Zerubbabel was involved in a building project. He was involved in building the temple. And like any building project, right, anything you build, of a life group, a marriage, a family, amen, a church, whatever you're building for God, amen, there's going to be some setbacks. You might experience some opposition, but I like what it says in verse 9, what God was telling Zerubbabel, that his hands had laid this foundation, and in essence, your hands are going to complete this project. But it wasn't going to be done by putting your trust in man. It wasn't going to be done by putting your trust in man's riches or resources or human wisdom or human strength. But in fact, this work is going to be built by my spirit. He said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. You ain't going to build that life group. You ain't going to build that family. You ain't going to build anything on human wisdom or human ingenuity. It must be built by the spirit and the power of almighty God. That's when you're going to see miracles. That's when you're going to see the super. That's when you're going to see things happen that no man can do. Psalms 127.1 says, except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. In other words, it must be built by his presence. Therefore, it is important for us as pastors and leaders and members of the body of Christ that we continue to create the right atmosphere in that house where God desires, the presence of God desires to dwell. Number three, we're going to build a house of miracles. It must be built by radical evangelism. Radical evangelism. Amen? 
Listen, just because you put a sign or you put out flyers doesn't mean everybody's going to come. Amen. Amen. But it must be done by radical evangelism. I like verse 18. He says, then behold. Then behold. Even the writers like amazed. Behold. Men brought on a bed one who was crippled, one who needed a miracle, right? In other words, he behold like as to look with amazement. You know, to look with amazement as though they brought this man who was paralyzed. They were amazed. What were they amazed at? They were amazed at the radicalness of these men that brought him. That's what they were amazed about. Because the Bible says, behold, these men brought who they sought after. Who they sought after. In other words, they went seeking for that man. They went searching for that man in order to bring him and lay him before Jesus. In other words, those individuals cared enough, they had compassion enough to go out of their way and were persistent enough to find that man, whoever he was, whether a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a brother, it doesn't say, but they went, had enough compassion to go out of their way and get him and bring him to Jesus. In other words, they were willing to inconvenience themselves to see that person get to Christ. In other words, go out of their way so this man can come and be healed and saved and transformed by the power of God. Somebody give God a good shout this morning. How many know he's still in the miracle working business? And there's a lot of friends, family members, relatives that are still out there that need a miracle. They did whatever it took. They took time out of their busy schedule. For this man to come and experience Christ, that's radical. I said, that's radical, Victory Outreach. That's radical, those of you listening over there. That's what it's all about. Can you say amen? Radical evangelism. Men and women that were moved by the compassion and compelled by the compassion of Jesus Christ. See, many times that life group isn't being built. Or that church isn't being built. That lighthouse isn't being built. That victory center isn't being built. That church, some churches aren't being built because too many of us are preoccupied with our own agendas. It doesn't fit into our busy schedule anymore. We're too wrapped up and caught up into ourselves, our own world, our jobs, family, and so forth. But if we're going to build for God, if we're going to build this kingdom, then we need to get back to that old school book of Acts, the old radical evangelism. Somebody give God praise. Where the love and the power of God, compassion of God compels us. It drives us. It moves us to go and start bringing friends, family, people to God's house so they can come and experience healing, salvation, and deliverance. Someone said these words, a church that is content with not growing is like saying to the rest of the world, you can all go to hell. Why were they so radical? What was it that moved these men, compelled them, made them so persistent, so compelled to go out and find their friend or their loved one, whoever he was, and bring them to Jesus? Why, why were they... Why were they so radical, persistent, confident that if they can just get that man to Jesus, that God could do a miracle in his life? I'll tell you why. Because they heard about Jesus. I said they heard, they had to hear about how Jesus was going from town to town and how he was opening blind eyes. They had to hear about how Jesus cleansed the leper. 
They had to hear about how he made other men walk, amen, that couldn't walk. Opened the, the deaf ears, amen, made the dumb speak. Amen. They had to hear that this Jesus is the same Jesus, amen, that we heard about. And now he's in our town. Now he's, in, he's here in our city. And therefore, if Jesus Christ did it for the blind man, if Jesus Christ did it for the leper, if Jesus Christ did it for the cripple, then maybe there's got to be hope for my friend. There's got to be hope for my loved one, my family member. Therefore, we got to go out in these four walls and compel them and go look for them and search for them and bring them because they need a miracle that's radical number four if we're going to build this house it must be built not only by radical evangelism but radical faith radical faith verse 19 and 20 it says when they when, when Jesus saw their faith now, notice that he didn't say when he saw the man's faith. He wasn't talking, no way does it give the, the impression he was talking to the man. When he saw his faith, he said when he saw their faith. Listen carefully. When he saw their faith, not the man's faith, but the faith of these men, that's when the miracle took place. Somehow, some way, it moved the heart of God to reward those men's faith. And heal that man. Huh? The moment that they did that radical move, it was radical. It moved the heart of Jesus. It moved the heart of God to reward it because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible. It's impossible to pleasure the heart of God. It's impossible to pleasure God. Therefore, amen, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But with faith, God rewards faith. And therefore, when he saw their faith, it moved him so much to reward them by healing their friend and healing their loved one, whoever he was. And I'm here to tell you, Victory Outreach, there's a lot of people still out there in our community. There's a lot of people still out in the prison. There's still a lot of people out there in the neighborhood. There's still a lot of loved ones and family and friends that the world has given up hope because of the condition that they found themselves in. And the only answer, the only hope they got is Victory Outreach still believing still believing that God has the power to change their life who else is going to believe for them who else is going to believe for your son mama who else is going to believe for your daughter who else is going to believe for those homeboys and homegirls that we left out there Huh? but I'll tell you this we Victory Outreach must continue to believe and watch God do the miraculous. Somebody give God praise this morning. Amen. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he's a reward of them that diligently, diligently seek him. It was their faith and their love for this individual that united their efforts. So that nothing discouraged them. From getting that man to Jesus, not even the crowd. Not even the crowd. Radical faith. See, radical faith moves mountains. Radical faith doesn't take no for an answer. 
Radical faith takes that word can't out of your vocabulary. See, radical faith takes that language of the lid completely out of our way of thinking. Amen? Radical faith makes a big difference, my friend. Amen? See, in other words, remember, when they came to bring their friend, service had already started. The church was packed out. There was no room. And when they got to the church house, the big usher probably was out there in the front and says, you ain't getting in this house. You might as well take that man back home. He ain't getting his miracle today. What are you talking about, man? You know, I, you know, we went out of our way. We've been searching for him, man. You got to let him. No, there ain't no hope for him. Take him home. Not today. Hmm? But did that intimidate them? Did that, see, that stop him? Huh? See, radical faith refuses to be intimidated. I said radical faith refuses to take no for an answer. He's not intimidated by the arguments and opinions of other people. Amen. When they know that they know that they know that God is real and God is the answer. Amen. And he's the one that can do it for them. They take no. They continue to do what God. I like. You know what? I, I like what they, what they did what we do. You know, we go out and have rallies. Right. And we go. Sometimes, you know, we get a permit. Sometimes we don't. Amen. Sometimes we feel like a nut, sometimes we don't, amen? But sometimes you're just compelled, man, let's have a rally. And all of a sudden the police pulls up. What do we train our teams? Huh? See, these men came with those four guys. Four guys brought their guy. We're going to get this guy in the house. You can get into this house. What are you talking about? So they already had that language. Just with the eye. So the guy turned around and said, okay, like I know what I'm doing. I know what to do. So why can't we get in the house? What is it? He get it keeps him busy. Distracted him. Like the police. Why can't we have the rally? What do we got to do? So what do it take to get a permit? While the other guys, they climbed up on the roof and started peeling the tile off of the roof. And so by the time they got done talking to that head usher over there, they had already had a hole in the roof. <laughs> Get that neighborhood whistle, brought the guy up. Drop the guy down, and the rest is history. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, that's radical. That's radical faith. Radical faith is not being intimidated by the arguments and opinions of others or allowing your own mind to intimidate you and lie to you and put a rock on you that you can't do it. Sometimes you just got to step out of the box. Sometimes you just got to be willing to take the risk. And dare to believe God that God is more than able to do above and beyond what we could ever imagine or even think. Hallelujah. Sometimes you just got to take the risk. Even if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you got to just step out of the norm. If God speaks, go for it. Amen. Number five. We're going to build this house or that life group or our home. Must be built on co cooperation. Must be built on cooperation. You go back to verse 18. Behold, he said, men brought on a bed. In Mark's gospel, the Bible says, carry by four. Carry by four. Not one, but four. Which speaks to me of cooperation. People working together. To see an end result. Cooperation. 
In other words, one man couldn't bring that man by himself. But through the cooperation of others, they were able to do it and see this man get his breakthrough. It speaks of cooperation. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 speaks about the growth and the health of the church and how it depends upon the cooperation of every member doing its share. Oh, that's how a house is built, my friend. It's not built on just a certain select few, but it's built upon every member identifying their, what God has given them and contributing it, doing its share. That is a powerhouse for God. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11 tells us, as each one has received a gift, minister to, minister, use it. God didn't give us gifts just to hold on to it. We talked about that last, yesterday, right? He gives us gifts to use, to minister to one another, amen? And so, so this is why God gave the gift. And he gave us a gift not to sing in the nightclub, not to use all our gift and talent for the world, because your gift will always make a way for you, right? But your gift and your talent, your ability should be spent first and foremost for the kingdom of God. For the house of God. That God's house would be built and God's house would be glorified. Can you say amen? God would be glorified in his house. Somebody give, you, give God a praise for that. See, beloved, Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. When Christ left this earth, he entered his new ministry, the ministry of intercession. Worship would come. The ministry of intercession, where now he is praying for us, right? But the only body that, that of Christ that is here on earth is you and I, the church, right? Amen. He's the head, we're the church. And, and we have to understand that. We are the ones that God has used. We are his hands. We are his feet. We're his heart. We're his ears, his eyes. And when we all cooperate together and do our part and do our share, it causes growth in the house. It causes health in the house. It, and Christ is glorified. Isn't that what it said there in verse 25 and 26? When that miracle took place, Miracle after miracle after miracle. The Bible says he was glorified. People were amazed. They were in awe. Glorifying God. Filled with great reverence. Saying we have seen strange things today. Let me tell you something. If Victory Outreach churches aren't seeing strange things, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If, we, if people are not coming and, and their minds being blown in awe of what God is doing in that house, something's missing. Something's missing. But I tell you this, this house, there's a lot of strange things in here. Look at your neighbor. Pretty strange, huh? <laughs> I don't consider it, I consider it unique. But this is the point. We're going to close with this. I, I'm going to close with this. I remember reading a long time ago this, this, this story, true story, during the World War II. And how 
during that war, there was this small French community that, that had this beautiful statue of Jesus there in, in, the, in, the, in their plaza. It was very significant to this small community, a very religious community. And during the war, when the bombs started falling, the statue cracked and broke and fell in different pieces. People were literally risking their life, going out of their way, gathering the pieces and collecting them and putting them away. So that after the war, you know, they got together and said, you know what? We got to put back our Lord and our Savior back. We got to put, we got to mend it together. So they all started bringing out all the pieces and started reconstructing that image of Christ Jesus, their Lord. To their discouragement, there were some pieces that were missing. They put it all together, but they noticed that they couldn't find the hands of Christ. They couldn't find him. And, and it meant so much to them. So they were so moved and so disappointed that some of them even said, you know what, tomorrow, let's just, we're just going to have to tear it down. So they got up early that morning to go, and, and to their surprise, somebody got up earlier. And went and put a plaque at the base of that statue, which read something like this. He has no hands but ours. He has no hands but ours. And isn't it true? Isn't it a truth that the people out there, some of our friends, family members, relatives, loved ones, homeboys, homegirls have, have nobody else, no other hands to touch them but Jesus in our hands. The only hope that they have is for us to keep believing. To keep believing victory outreach. No matter how big we grow or how, how long we've been around. To keep believing. To keep the awe, the wonder power of God changing a hardcore drug addict, gang member, convict, prostitute, the worst of the worst, the ones that family have given up hope, society has given up hope, but yet we still believe because he did it for us. He can do it for him. He has no hands but ours. Every head bowed, every eye closed all over this place. I ask you today, will you be his hands? Will you continue to be his hands, reaching out and touching, hurting people? Will you continue to be his hands, loving loved ones, family members, friends? No matter how rebellious they are, no matter how they react, no matter what they do, they will still have the faith to believe that God is able to change them. Is there some of us that we need to get out of that comfort zone? We've gotten too comfortable, too settled now in our jobs, in our careers, and in life, and, and we lost that compassion. We lost that, that zeal, that, that compelling spirit to go out of our way and, and bring people to the house of God. That's why you got that nice car, amen, to pick up people and bring them to church. That's why you got blessed with that new home, so you can have people over and create that same atmosphere where they can get it touch and experience Christ and then bring them to church. Amen. Everything we have, everything we are, God gave it to us so that we can be a blessing. Amen. So whatever challenges, whatever obstacles, roadblocks, hindrances, things that got in our way. Amen. Listen, your pastors are committed, committed to building a house that's going to glorify God. 
But it's going to take every member in this church having the same heart, same passion. That's what's going to glorify God. Can you say amen? As every head is bowed and every eye closed, if God is speaking to your heart, and today you say, Pastor, man, I want to recommit my heart to the vision, recommit my heart to that type of compassion, that love. You know, I, I, I need that kind of faith. I need that kind of faith. I need that kind of faith. Move mountains. Wherever God has spoken to your heart, I'm going to ask you to stand with me now. And we're going to open up these altars real quickly. Coming to a close. And I'm going to ask you, those of you that say, I want prayer, God, would you pray for me? Jesus, I need your touch. I need a fresh touch, a fresh baptism of your love. I need a fresh injection of Holy Ghost faith. Oh, God, don't ever let me lose the wonder, God. The miracle.